freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Very, very exciting Coleman Nation podcast today. We've got the thought leader of our time, Jesse Kelly. Just ask him. <laughs> well, well, I mean, look, thought leader, oracle, shogun, I mean, dictator. Oh, so it's okay. Yeah, oh, it's it's so there are other. It's really anything, Ron. It's whatever whatever <laughs> lofty titles there are out there, I'm certainly deserving of them. I appreciate that. And 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 I'm sure that you're, you know, I, I'm very jealous because before I interviewed you, I said, just, you know, let's make sure that you haven't said anything that would in any way, you know, make me sound stupid if I didn't know about it. So, And, and all I see is all these love tweets between you and Jack Murphy. And, you know, Jack can press more than I can. I'm, I'm an older guy and uh, he's got the bigger beard, you know, the Civil War beard. <laughs> So, you know, I hope I hope I, I hope it's not too big of a letdown, but it's probably a good way for you to ease back into, you know, the Clark Kent persona that is really yours as a general rule. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like to be very low key, Ron. I don't I certainly would never be out there promoting myself <laughs> or bragging, bragging on myself. That's two of us. That's two of us. It's the low key thing. You know, I, I was I learned a lot from from Kurt Schlichter, actually, in terms of how to be extremely demure and uh, unsure of yourself and people really respect that a lot online I, I you know that's been my experience so i don't have this leisurely uh you know 50 plus minutes that that, that jack does so i'm not going to introduce people to you other than as uh you know distinguished military veteran uh with combat experience uh, who ran for congress twice and came perilously close to winning and by the grace of god he's with us instead here not besmirched by having become a member of of are you glad now did are you is it good or bad that you that you lost this this is not an exaggeration at all ron if you were to hand me right now a briefcase full of unmarked bills worth 50 grand and said jesse i will give you this briefcase with no obligation other than you will go be a congressman right now and you could just snap your fingers and make me a congressman i would hand it back to you and say thank you but no thank you the, I, I it is the greatest thing in my life that i didn't have to go to that dump so this is your way of telling me that, that you, at 100 the, the conversation starts at 100. well everybody has a price ron that's why i said 50. <laughs> 50 wouldn't do, 50 wouldn't do it but but of course your real point is that if you told me you could just have it and plus a little bit of a little bit of pin money for that second that second uh, rent bill that they're always complaining about that you you wouldn't take it neither would I I mean you know I I can't say that I no one in a position to do something about it has ever asked me about running for congress and I can't think of anything worse to do to myself or my family or my soul. <laughs> well, it's it, it, the one the family part of it was really big for me. I mean, my kids were super small when I was running. 
And that was hard. I mean, cause you're running and you're always gone. And now when, I mean, my boys are 10 and 12, they're a blast. Now we play and talk and we have fun. I just couldn't imagine leaving them for multiple days, multiple weeks at a time to go back to that dump. And I hate DC so much. Anyway, I just, it just, there's nothing about that job that sounds appealing to me at all. And I mean, nothing. So we're going to focus on, you know, and DC is going to be part of that discussion, but because I have a theme, it's not just about being Ron Coleman. Cause I, again, I'm of the, I'm of the small personality. And the, the theme is, kind of censorship, cancel culture, you were banned. You were banned in 2016 from Twitter. You were there. You were sort of on the early side. You were an early adopter of getting banned. I was. What happened? What was the story? There? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You're back. I don't know. Uh, well, I know. They let you just start a new I account? Think I know why I'm back. No, I did not have to start a new account. I'm one of the few who got the ban. I got the notification from Twitter that it would be a permanent ban. And then everybody freaked out. And a couple U.S. senators uh, went to the floor and brought it up to Twitter. And like that, the next day, they snapped their fingers and turned the lights back on. But, but I never I never I didn't, never really dwelled on it as much. Because one, I don't care. I mean, I have a career outside of Twitter. I'm going to get banned again. They're going to get me permanently and it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter as much for me as it matters for other people where that is their platform. I mean, I'm blessed enough to have a radio show and a TV show and stuff like that. I don't have to have Twitter. I do that for fun. But there are other people. That's the only way they have a voice. That's the only way they have a platform at all in the public square. So but these people are... I feel bad for them because they're going to get banned. They're going to get censored, and that sucks. Do you think there's anything we can do about that? And I say we in a very broad sense. No, no, I don't. I, I, I view so much of what's happening in this country to be, frankly, inevitable. I, I think there. if you want to talk about things you can do, it's probably going to come from a state level. I think there are states. I know uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida has been trying to go after the tech companies for banning people and such like that. I think that stuff's going to have to come from the states because the system is just too jointed now. It's all too they're all together now. The, the big tech companies and the Democratic Party and half the Republicans and the media and the education in Hollywood and all they're all they all speak with one voice now. So there's nobody going to go after them because nobody has the juice to go after them except for possibly the states. You, well, you know, you're actually right about that. And I've written a couple of pieces on that exactly that topic because people don't appreciate the fact that all kinds of industries, including ones that involve communication, are regulated by states. And also consumer affairs are regulated by states. And I, I have argued that it is a, a an unfair or, or a deceptive practice to lure somebody onto your platform, have them contribute content and then arbitrarily, which is what it is, there are no terms of no meaningful terms of service, arbitrarily pull the rug out from under them for 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 reasons that you sometimes even refuse to disclose. But more important than that, I think, is what you said about the overall messaging. The over, you know, the I spoke to to Cheryl Atkins earlier. It was actually time is becoming a blur to me. Um, but I, I, we, we, we did do her podcast this week. Yes. And she, you know, she's, her focus here is that on the issue of censorship and canceling people's voices, that it's a, you know, there's a political motivation 
but her focus is really on the corporate nature of this. How do we as free enterprise people deal with the fact that so much of what's going on is being dictated and executed by private entities? Well, there's a couple of different things on that. One, uh, in the long term, this will hurt social media companies like uh, like Facebook and Twitter. It will hurt them beyond repair at one point because they're just blank canvases. Uh, the, the, it's not interesting unless interesting people are posting on there. And that's why, I mean, that's why Hollywood sucks now. It's why no one goes to the movies. No one watches the awards. No one no one watches the sitcoms. The, 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 all these ratings are down to the toilet because it's also boring and it's also boring because there's only one acceptable frame of thought and so that's that's really boring well if you get social media to a place where it's that then then it's boring and people will just slowly leave it as far as the other companies go that aren't social media companies big tech and whatnot and by the way we should absolutely remove the legal protections from from these big tech platforms that like to act like they're just just you know just a platform but i'll protect me and stuff like that that's yeah that's a garbage but as for other stuff we should be going after these corporations with our money one we should be suing them into oblivion like when when disney comes out and they promote racist training people who had to go through that should immediately call the best lawyer in the country and sue these companies into bankruptcy that's one Two. Don't tell everyone to go call me all at the same time, Jesse. Come on. <laughs> Two, we should be more purposeful with where we spend and don't spend our dollars. And the right is simply not committed enough to do that yet. And I'm hoping they will wake up. I think they are waking up, but they're not. I mean, I remember when when Drew Brees and every Tom, Dick and Harry in the NFL was dumping all over the flag and America sucks and America's evil. And everybody on the right was talking about how they're done with the NFL and I'm not watching anymore. And about week three, my entire Twitter timeline was, did you see that pass from Drew Brees? <laughs> OK, so OK, so you're not committed. You don't care. You care for a week. You care for five minutes, but you care right up to the point where it makes you slightly inconvenienced and then you're done caring well that's fine but the other side cares all the way this is their religion so we're going to be defeated unless we change that mindset well that's a gigantic point because because you know what when you describe that i mean on the one hand i heard via the super intelligent mrs coleman that the nfl and the, the sports leagues and a lot of the corporations are prepared to take some amount of heat from American audiences because they're making a lot of money abroad now. But putting that aside, and I don't know the the, the metrics of, of just how true it is and, and how sustainable and viable it is. We are, because we've allowed ourselves to become a consumer-oriented society, and I don't just mean how we buy stuff, our entire what we do is consume. I mean, people are spectators. People mostly want to watch and listen and lurk uh, and buy and consume. And that's why everybody is 400 pounds when you go to the mall. We've reached this point where people don't have to produce and they don't have to move. And you can't even be bought. Listen, if I need to get something here tomorrow, if I decide, you know what, my headphones broke. I can go get in the car and spend 45 minutes driving to a place where I can get headphones, or I can go onto Amazon, choose exactly what I want, get competitive pricing, get it shipped to me for an annual fee of, you know, that makes it each thing free. How do you, how do you argue against that? 
How do you say to people, no, Ron, get in the, listen, you know, you, you bill hundreds of dollars an hour for your time, but get in the car, drive to the mall, and then buy it from some corporation that's owned by uh, VCs uh, or, or, or some conglomerate whose ethics are exactly the same as Amazon's anyway. Well, what you just hit on was a problem that nations have been dealing with since the beginning of mankind is how once you've reached wealth, once you toil and struggle and and finally get to the era where there's wealth and you have overall are an absurdly wealthy country. How do you stop yourself from just getting soft and bored and decadent and decadent and ruining yourself? And the truth is, Ron, that no nation has ever figured that out. I don't know that it can be figured out. That's just uh, the truth is America, as much as people whine about this place, is just stupid wealthy. Uh, we have un unending amounts of food and fresh water. Americans don't even think about fresh water. There are people around the world every day, thousands who will die because they don't have access to fresh water. Everybody listening to my voice right now is 20 feet away from an endless supply of fresh drinking water. That, that, that I can't even imagine that in other parts of the world. But once you get to that place, life becomes easy. And when life becomes easy, you don't have the challenges. And when you don't have the challenges, you get soft and weak. And then eventually you get taken over by someone who isn't. So is it possible? So, so why are we bothering? Well, uh, you know, like in other words, you and I, you know, you're a couple of years younger than I am, but chances are between the two of us, we'll be able to play it out so that we, and my, my children are adult age now, I'm, I'm not as sure for them. And for your kids, I'm even less sure. Uh, what are we, but what, what's, what's the game here? What are we, is there any, what, are we just trying to push back the collapse of the, of this, of this empire so that at least people we know, meaning our kids and my grandchildren will still have fresh water? Or is there, is there a way to, for, is there a transformative possibility that's out there? No. No, there's not a transfer. Well, not one you want to consider. I'll put it to you that way. I, I mean, it, well, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, yeah, nations, no, I know what you're getting at. Nations in the past that have had, a, they've been going down a seriously a, a bad road and they've had a terrible slide, which we are in right now. Uh, what happens is those roots have gone really, really, really deep. And just like a plant, I mean, when the roots are a half an inch deep, it's not a problem removing it. When the roots are that deep, as deep as they are now, to take out that plant and to get out those roots, it's going to cause a lot of pain. And there's a lot of dirt that's going to come with it. If you want to reverse the trend of where we're heading right now as a country, that means you are you as a nation. That means you're signing up, in my opinion, I think history says this, you're signing up for some bloodthirsty fascist dictator to take over the country and right all the wrongs. I don't want to see that. I don't want to experience that. I, that that's terrible. I, I, I don't want to experience that. So if you don't want to experience that, as I don't, then no, it's not reversible. Uh, in my opinion, we should try to extend it as long as we possibly can. So our kids and grandkids, like you pointed out, can can exist here and enjoy some of the things we've enjoyed. But who knows that God only gives you a certain period of time on this earth. And it's always going to be interesting. You know, I think well, you're certainly right about that. I, you know, when I think back on the decades since World War, the decades since World War II, I don't mean I think back on my personal experience. I'm not that old, but to a large extent, in the, in the 20th century, we outraced the problem of decadence by increasing productivity and wealth, so that there was still a reason to work hard. There was still a re there, there were still reasons to do better and do more, but I think you made a very good point. 
it's hard to imagine. Yeah, pockets of poverty. Most people in poverty in America in the 21st century are there because of problems that they brought on themselves or that are structural in their lives, but not structural in the economy. I don't see how you can, you know, no matter how much faster chips get, how much, oh, good, 5G's coming. 4G was so limiting. I just couldn't download videos fast enough under 4G. This is this will change everything. I mean, at this point, it, it doesn't get better by itself. And the illusion that faster, better, cheaper would make life better and more satisfying is coming to an end. Is is it is it not possible that there might be some sort of spiritual regeneration that would result in a more gritty American character or, 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 or do you think for, just not there? Sure. Once we have a massive famine or a world war, of course. So uh, crisis, you don't, you you don't, need crisis. The, a huge one. Yeah. It, it's going to be something huge and terrible and something nobody listening right now wants to go through, least of all me. And I, I don't want my kids to go through it, but yes, I mean, that's really what we need is a gigantic spiritual revival in this country, but you're not going to all of a sudden get that by having 330 million Americans set down Netflix and cancel DoorDash <laughs> and go to church. You're just not, that doesn't come from, from, from just nowhere. That has to come from a place of pain oftentimes because we human beings are, 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 are stubborn, stubborn things. So uh, as a country, that's not just going to happen. It's something bad is going to have to happen for that to happen. And I don't want something bad to happen. So it puts us between a rock and a hard place. So, let me take you back to the 80s. I'm going to put on my pointy shoes, my skinny tie, and tell you that it, the 70s felt a lot like this. And in fact, I was in New York yesterday, and they even looked a lot like this. <laughs> um, and along came Ronald Reagan, and it turned out that he was speaking on behalf of a lot of people. And there was definitely a, an adjustment culturally that seemed as if it was going to result and for some time i think did result in changes and change in attitudes towards the cold war towards a lot of things it argued well, george w bush was was elected twice let's not talk about whether he was the right kind of conservative or not at the end of the day the left despised him and he was an evangelical and there was a lot to appreciate about George W. Bush in a Joe Biden world. What's your, what are your thoughts? Well, I think what you just described there is leadership. And, 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 but here's my problem with that, Ron. It's not that leadership doesn't matter. It's incredibly important. But what, what, what's happened is we have, so, we have allowed the, the hardcore left to infiltrate every single cultural institution to a point that nobody has ever seen. This is what we have right now is so much worse than anything Reagan or Bush even sniffed at. It's what it's 10 times worse than those guys. We have lost the entire federal bureaucracy. The Federal Bureau of Investigation and IRS have both been weaponized against the right. 
we've lost the education system. Universities now openly preach communism in their university system. We don't even have the United States military anymore. We lost half the churches. You have these idiot pastors up there talking about white privilege and stuff like that. We don't have a single loud conservative actor of any note. And, and sadly, entertainment does matter. Don't do that thing where people are like, oh, no one cares what these people say. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. These people are extremely influential. We don't even have sports anymore. The sports guys are communists. What I'm saying is I, I, we talk all the time on the right now. I see this all the time about the midterms and the 2024 presidential election. If if every single seat up in 2022 in the House, which is all of them, obviously, was taken by a Republican, and then uh, Ron DeSantis wins in 2024, yes, it's a good thing, it's necessary, it's what we should try for. We have only taken step one in a thousand steps to take this country back. We have a long way to go. And I tell this to people all the time, and I mean this. I don't mean this to be pessimistic. I mean this to be optimistic because I'm trying to get people's minds right. You, Ron Coleman, me, Jesse Kelly, you will never, ever, 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 ever see the end of taking your country and your culture back because it's too far gone. You can only get the ball rolling in the right direction and hope maybe your kids or their kids see it one day. It took them decades to get here. It will take us decades to take it back. It is rot. To the, to the very core of this country, dangerous rock. Everything you say is true. And, and if there's another reason why we will never see the end of it is that even if that, you know, that, that uh, fantasy scenario that you just described were to take place and there were change and, and, and cultural change were to filter down to some extent, they're Bolsheviks, they don't stop. They will be, they will just start rebuilding again to get themselves, and by the way, of all the sectors you mentioned, and I'm sure this was an oversight by you because I know, I know you, that, you're, that you agree, Wall Street and the corporate world. But Wall Street in a way is scarier because Wall Street is now what runs the corporate world. And it is outsized influenced over the political world. Wall Street is absolute poison and they make money in the least productive, you know, there are certain aspects of what is done in in the investing world that result in economic efficiencies and the generation of capital for purposes of investment. But 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 by and large, they represent exactly what we're talking about: that softness and that combination of softness and wealth and decadence. And they are so in charge; it is chilling. Oh, it is chilling. And, and you're right. That was uh, an oversighted one that I forgot because I have said, and I really mean this, with the exception of education, the communists taking over the corporations is the most dangerous thing that ever happened in this country. Because now you're in a place where you don't necessarily need new laws to be passed. You don't have to have a law to say this or a law to say that. All you need is all the corporations, all those Fortune 500 CEOs that went to Harvard and learned how great communism is. Now all you need is all of them to just simply put into place whatever policy the Democrats wanted to pass a law on. And there you go. Boom, it's your law because what you still have to exist in society. But look, that's what happens when you lose the education system. And this has been decades in the making. We let the communists take over the education system and parents sent little Billy off to school for seven, eight hours a day for 18 years of his life. 
you know, 16 years of his life. And they're shocked when he comes out the back end of it with different values than they tried to teach at home. Well, what your eyes see and ears hear really matters. And you can't have that kind of indoctrination without getting to the back end of it and thinking that your country sucks. And that's really the, that's really the overarching problem we have is a patriotism problem because patriotism is not a hokey thing. It is a necessary thing for a nation to survive. Uh, you, you, yeah, you have to. Well, you have to have a nation full of people, whether it's a tiny tribe somewhere or a huge, powerful country. You have to have it occupied by people who value the place and therefore feel some sense of obligation to protect it and make it better. If you have it occupied by people who think it quite frankly sucks and deserves to be taken down a peg or two, well, you're about to have a very short-lived country. This has been such a fun, fun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I listen, but you have you and I have to go out for some hemlock after this. <laughs> well, look, it doesn't do any good to tell everybody everything's fine. That's part of the problem. That's part of the COVID mess we got into in this country. America is part of the reason Biden won the election. America's dying for somebody who's a mommy to tell them to powder their little butts for them and tell them everything's <laughs> yes. fine and just just don't worry I, and stuff I like that. I saw your last few tweets fine. on on the the uh I mean, Mrs. Coleman also is contemptuous, as all patriotic women are, of the feminization of the American male. Uh, you know, men, men are not men. I mean, I'm not a military uh, veteran like you, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I can still I can, I can crush someone's head if I have to. And I, it, it's, you know, these pe the, the mask thing, the hiding thing, the, the, the mommy thing, it's, it's what are, so what are we doing? What's the plan? I, I saw that Jack asked you this question also. What is Jesse doing? Is it just what we're doing now? Just pushing, 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 tactical? There's no real strategic angle here? Or is it is it just tactical? Take, hill, take hills, don't give up hills? No, no, no. It has to be strategic. No, we have to move. The federal system is beyond salvage. You have to, if you have your uh, family or, 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 or work situation allows you to do so, you need to move to a red area and then do not move to that red area and put your feet up. You must move to that red area and fortify it because the communists are coming for it too. That means you have to run for school board and state house and city council and state Senate because the states are the one entity that's strong enough or at least possibly strong enough to stand up against the Leviathan of the system right now. So move to a red area, make sure it's redder and that's how you will save yourself. Keep it red. And also, you know, you talk about those local things, those local battles, a discussion I've been having with a lot of people, and we're all coming up on our time. And I'm so grateful that you've given us yours today. Um, one of the things that people lost over the last year was the social fabric, was the, per the people they used to see every day, the people they used to bump into in the store, in the post office. I mean, that's been disintegrating for years anyway. But if you go to a red area where they're not going to hopefully be fooled again with this lockdown and mask nonsense, unless there's a really damn good reason for it, which we didn't really have outside of maybe the first six weeks, two months at best, uh, you know, of, of, of COVID-19, people need to, to commune with each other physically and in person, because if, if we're going to rely on the systems that they're setting up for us to communicate and to coalesce, then we won't even be able to run for school board. They'll decide who's going to run for school board based on who has access to the, you know, to the, to the platforms. 
Well, you're you're right, and and I, I want to emphasize this when I when I tell people to to run for school board and city council and stuff like that. You need to set aside this laissez-faire, live and let live attitude that we all want. I mean, I want that world too. Nobody wants this live and let live, small government world more than me. We, you, if you wanted to live that way, you shouldn't have let the communists take over everything. You cannot laissez-faire your way out of where we are right now. When you run for school board, don't get on there and take politics out of the classroom. Get on there and put your politics in the classroom. Don't get on the city council and just, oh, anyone do what they want. You make sure that place is the reddest place on the planet. You have to do that now because the roots are deep and they have to be removed. And that's a gigantic attitude change because people, conservatives tend to be, and, and, and study after study from uh, all the all the blue universities con continue to confirm this. Conservatives are the open-minded ones. They're the ones who believe in procedural fairness. They're the ones who want to give the other side the benefit of the doubt and the ones who want to listen. And that's what's killing us. And yet, that's what it means to be a principled person. And that's the dilemma. That's the dilemma. Well, I, we ended with the dilemma, but the fact is, I think we, we the overall arc of our conversation was a little bit more optimistic than it otherwise might have sounded that it was going to be 10 minutes ago. Jesse, thanks so much. Stay out of stay out of Congress. I promise I will, too. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> it is terrific to have you on the show, and I'm looking forward to, to, to hanging out again soon. Absolutely. We'll get her done. So long. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.